My friends, and welcome. It is Smokin' and Toastin'. Welcome to show number 54. Good morning, evening, afternoon, whatever it is, whenever and wherever you are listening, because we're heard all, of, all over the world at various different times. So uh, welcome. We're so glad to have you. This program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. My name is Cruz. My co-host, the lovely and affable Mr. Ian Barry. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How are you doing today? <laughs> oh God, he got the little the red box. Machine. Somebody take it away from him. Oh, uh, usually, usually we hand that to the guests and just let them have their uh, field day. But I, I can relinquish control. But you're 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 fine. You're fine. Uh, welcome to the show. It's show number fifty-four. Creative drinking with Sierra Nevada. We have uh, our guest is going to be uh, Gustavo Vincente from Sierra Nevada, who's brought in uh, some very creative Sierra Nevada beers, by the way. And we're going to talk about the fact that drinking alcohol, according to a new study, which may be the world's most awesome study ever of all time, uh, a new study says that drinking alcohol makes you more creative. So It which, makes you wonder if someone decided to do that study while they were drinking alcohol. You know, I think it proves one of two things, if not both. The first is that drinking alcohol makes you more creative. Yes. And the second is that you can pretty much get a study to reveal almost anything that you want to if you if you go about setting it up right. But we'll share the information nonetheless, and we'll try to get really creative uh, with Sierra Nevada today. Our show is brought to you by uh, our friends at B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. And our uh, good friend Jeremiah there, we we love that place, and we'll uh, be talking about it more as the, as the program goes on, including letting you know the next time we're going to be there uh, doing a live broadcast, because that's always fun, and we, we just we love that place. It's awesome. So uh, so it's nice to have you op- and B&B, of course, opening soon in Fort Worth as well. Yeah, so. pretty excited about that road trip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're, we're going to get that together. So a lot going on. It's crazy. I just wanted to mention, because we've talked about this on the show before, but one of the easiest ways to listen to Smoking and Toasting now is that we're on TuneIn. So if you have uh, if you have you, uh, any computer, of course, you can go to TuneIn.com. But you can download the TuneIn app for free. I actually have that on my phone. Yes, and on your phone, on your tablet, in the car, whatever, you can just totally go to it. You can search "smoking and toasting," and that you can like have set up an a, account on on TuneIn, mm-hmm. and all it is is basically you just you know setting up your email and a login. It doesn't cost you anything. And then once you've done that, you can hit your favorites. So they've got all these different you know music channels and radio stations yeah. and whatever you audio you can books make, too. I listen yeah, to those yep. all the time. And you can make our uh, our show your one of your favorites. And Absolutely. then it's right there. It automatically updates whenever we have a new episode. It's nice and easy. So uh, we encourage you to uh, use the TuneIn app and check us out there. So Wow, what a weekend. There's so much going on. Big Smoke Vegas tickets are on sale. We're going to be uh, broadcasting live from the Big Smoke in Vegas coming in November. I can hardly so have, contain yep, myself. More uh, more details on that coming. Uh, a brand new retailer survey is out. The 10 best-selling cigar brands in the U.S. We'll share that with you uh, today. And New Mexico State University has launched its own craft beer. <laughs> That's good, the kind of study I want to be now, part there's of. There's a good way to get yourself on that annual list. <laughs> to the best party schools, right? What, what class are you going to today? 
Oh, I just love it. Uh, and uh, whiskey with water, chemists say yes. And we'll tell you why. We'll give you the scientific. We're, we're going to get downright scientific on the show today. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. so prepare yourself. Uh, plus, we're going to be tasting some really awesome things from Sierra Nevada. And this time, I brought the whiskey. This has only happened a couple of times. Usually, I bring like a rum or a tequila, mm-hmm. and we have a, a whiskey that, uh, that Ian maybe will bring in because you've got such a... Uh, a you know sizable collection, but this time I brought the whiskey in. It's something really different. I, I'm wondering if you've if you've had this before, Ian. It's Firestone and Robertson's TX. I have. You have. Yes, okay. I have. So don't don't let the cat out of the bag just yet. No, I won't say anything. All right, we'll get there. So <laughs> I am enjoying this big smile on your face, though. So I'm thinking <laughs> I'm thinking it wasn't a bad experience. So so we get all that going on, and it was a big and busy week. And did you smoke anything uh, interesting, my friend? Uh, I did my research last night, actually. Um, and I had an Axis Mundi archetype. Oh, nice! And uh, it was a Churchill size. It's pretty nice cigar overall. It's a Maduro, uh, Ecuadorian Maduro wrapper, Indonesian binder, and uh, Nicaraguan filler. So uh, it's all over the. Way. They it's label like a it real as mixture, they huh? label it as full body. I found it to be solid medium, to be honest. Mm-hmm. There's a little pepper when you light it, but uh, honestly, it just kind of settled in. After the initial light, like uh, like the pre-light draw and everything was a lot of leather and uh, and peppery spice, and then after you light it, the whole thing just settled into this leather and like a creamy espresso kind of thing going on, which you like, or, or right? cappuccino. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, and it just kind of stayed there the entire. It wasn't. I'm not saying it was terribly one-dimensional or anything because it 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 developed. It went up and down a little bit, but man, what a great cigar all the way down. And for a Churchill, it actually smoked faster than most cigars of that size. I was pretty uh, pretty surprised. Um, it's about a twelve dollars cigar. Mm-hmm. Um, price to quality, I'm going to give it a five. It's it's right where you'd want a twelve dollars cigar to be. I think. Um, uh, no disappointment. It wasn't, you know, way over the top or anything. But I'd, I'd smoke it again, which it, is good because I have like three more in my humidor. Any of those who are uh, new to the show, we have uh, a price to quality scale which we try to use with cigars, and uh, it's a one to ten scale. But five means you get exactly what you pay for. Mm-hmm. So if it's a five dollar cigar and it's pretty good, it'll get a five. If it's a five dollar mm-hmm. cigar and it's like smoking like an eight dollar cigar, it might get a six or a six and a half or a seven. Yep. If it's a twelve dollar cigar, and it's worth the twelve, it gets a five. So that's that's actually a yeah. very good rating, right? Yeah, you're getting exactly what you pay for. If yeah. it's a if it's a twelve dollar cigar and you give it a, you know, like a three, that means you're not getting what you pay right. for. Right. So then good. maybe you're paying a little more than than that was. Probably, yeah, this one was right there. This is this worked, is. Right. I was not disappointed with the price of the cigar uh, at that price point. I think actually I got mine a little uh, less than that, but either way, it's it's a pretty good cigar and it was a nice smoke. Yeah, nice. And you, you said it smoked a little quick though. It was it was a faster smoking Churchill. Like some cigars will will smoke longer. Like like the uh, Camacho Triple Maduro takes forever, and I mm-hmm. love that about it. Like a small cigar from them will smoke for an hour. I got or an it. hour and a half. But this one one this one I think was a forty five minute cigar for a Churchill. That's pretty quick. I got a box of the um, as you well know from previous you know shows. I'm a big fan of anything Casada, particularly the Oktoberfest line. And I got a box of their little bitty ones. Um, there, uh, it's not a Pantella, but it's it's just it's a very short cigar, like a like a small ring gauge robusto. Right. And that thing is an hour long smoke. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Like you light it up, you think, well, I'm going to be done with this in right. 20 minutes. I'll just have the small and cigar. No, it, it just you just rolls with you, and right. that, that's a wonderful thing. That's not the cigar I was going to uh, mention this week, though, because I'm, <laughs> I I just I, I don't really know how to approach this one. The most probably the most unusual cigar. 
that I have mentioned oh, on, on the on show. Uh, I got a box of these, and I should have known that it would be something different because I got a box of them on a really great clearance price online from Cigars International. Uh, but it's a name I'm, uh, you know, I'm familiar with. I've smoked their cigars before. It's the Ramon Ayones, uh, and this is the Heritage Series, and the cigar is a Toro. I had also read somewhere that these cigars were actually made by CAO. Now, but anyway, supposedly it was the blend team at CAO that came up with this particular blend. And the box is nice. It's got this sort of blue and white cigar band, which is kind of unusual. Usually you find the golds and the tans mm-hmm. and the, the darker colors. This is more, more like blue and white, kind of a bright. It's like a party. A party. It looks like a party. <laughs> exactly. Pigtail cap, shaggy foot, looks like a very serious cigar. And then you open the box. Okay. It has a pre-light aroma and draw that I'm not sure I can even explain. It's not really good. <laughs> it's 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 kind of uh, it's kind of a sickly sweet. Like you know when you right. when you smell the cigar before you light it up and it's fairly sweet. That's usually a pleasant thing. Uh huh. This is not so pleasant, and and it's very earthy. In fact, it almost smells like, I don't quite know how to say this, but ground that might be a little too fertile, uh, if you get my drift. Uh. But it's a sweeter smell than that. So it's not just a manure smell. I don't, I honestly, I've been trying to think of ways you to describe this. <laughs> I've been trying to say, but very earthy, but almost pungent. Pungent's and, a good word. Yeah. And I, I have to say, I was really worried because I'd bought a box of these. I'm like, oh no, this will teach me to buy a box of something that I haven't ever tried one of, right? This uh, is an adventure and you haven't even lit the cigar yes, yet. Yes. Even though, even though the cigar, you know, is from a fairly trusted name. Uh, and and uh, so I just didn't know what to do. So, I uh, I snipped the end with my Zycar scissors. I lit it up, and almost immediately on lighting, the pungent smell is gone. Huh. The weirdest thing I've ever. I thought there's going to be traces of this through the whole cigar, and I don't like it. Like it's not going to be. No, I'm talking. A quarter of an inch in, I can't even smell that anymore. Even if I, you know, take and put my nose on the cigar and try to huh. smell just the cigar itself, I, I, I can't smell it at all. It's been replaced by a now pleasant earthiness and some spice and a little bit of a toasty uh, flavor. It's actually quite good. Notes of uh, earth and toffee and more earth. It is very earthy, but it's not. I just want to stress, uh, stress that. Both that pre-light smell that I didn't like and the cigar itself when you're smoking it, it's not the manure kind of earthy. It's 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 a more rich and, and enjoyable. So anyway, medium bodied, reasonably complex, kind of an old school cigar flavor as you as you smoke it, I guess. Uh, so I wound up paying about four dollars a stick for this. Retails uh, more like six to seven, but price to quality, I'm actually gonna put it at a six if you can get it for four to five dollars like i did huh. i would actually put it at a six but with an asterisk because this cigar is not for everybody i'm scared to put them next to other ones well you know my humidor. some cheeses don't smell was- great on their own but taste fantastic that is so such, that see i knew you would be able to capsulize it for <laughs> me so speaking of taste fantastic i'm so excited to have gustavo from sierra nevada in the house and we will begin tasting his beers coming up next you are listening to smoking and toasting
Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting, my friends. We're so glad to have you listening to the program. It's show number 54. Uh, we're doing creative drinking with Sierra Nevada. Now, that means a couple of things. Actually, I think we're going to be sampling some of Sierra Nevada's more creative uh, blends, not to Im- imply that any of their beers aren't creative, but you know what I mean. Some of the some of the uh, slightly more out-of-the-way type uh, beers, including some of the beer camp stuff. So we're excited about that. But uh, also, we're going to be sharing with you a story about how drinking alcohol makes you more creative, according to a new study, which we have dubbed the world's awesomest study. Is awesomest a word? Or is it more, more awesome? awesomer? Most awesome? More awesomer. More awesomer. I'm going with that. I believe it's, it's, the proper. it's a more awesomer <laughs> right. study. Uh, so, welcome to uh, Gustavo Vicente from uh, Sierra Nevada. Gustavo, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a real pleasure. Yeah, I think I ran into you in a specs, didn't I? Yes. Uh, yes. And you were sampling beers and we were talking about. Uh, your uh, very, very tasty sidecar uh, beer. Right, right. That's one of the new year-round beers uh, for us. We launched uh, Sidecar and Tropical Torpedo back in January, and those are now available year-round. I'm um, excited that that's year-round. I'm not sure I knew that, that Sidecar. I thought maybe it was a seasonal. Sidecar is, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the kind of traditional Sierra Nevada pale ale, but with this influence of orange, correct? Yeah, it's it's, uh, so Sidecar is pale ale's drinking buddy, and it's its own recipe. We didn't just add orange peel to pale ale we we kind of started with a brand new base beer a pale ale but then uh or only the orange peel was added not the pith not the juice we weren't trying to make a beer mimosa we wanted the fragrance uh, and the essence of orange to be in the beer and that means using the peel wow uh, i like really proud it's it. very tasty too Thank oh, you. there's so many of the fruit influenced beers mm-hmm. right. particularly in the pale ale and the ipa mm-hmm. uh, uh arena now and some of them honestly do it much better than others and i would put this in one of my uh one of my favorite categories so Thank we, you. we have a lot of questions for you gustavo sure. but we're really thirsty so let's start with the uh, first beer what did you bring us for the first uh, sampling beer today the first beer that we're going to sample is from the beer camp across the world collection which was a collaboration this one is is the Camp Out Porter, and nice. it's a collaboration with a New Zealand brewery called Garage Project. And this oh, is definitely cool. very creative. You know, um, the inspiration behind this was kind of think of a toasted marshmallow when you're camping out. Nice. Um, so this this beer, uh, they added some vanilla and some honey to it, but they used local honey. They used, uh, and then they used some smoked malt, smoked over manuka wood. Uh, in New Zealand, wood, you? Uh, oh, some oh, wild, Zealand yeah, thing. some wild, yeah. crazy New Zealand wood. Would, wood. Yeah, it's my favorite. <laughs> uh, and uh, so this one really has a light notes of smokiness, some sweetness from the honey, um, and then it packs a punch at about seven point seven percent ABV. I was just about to say, if we're leading with the porter at seven point seven. Ian, this is going to be your favorite show so far. <laughs> You're going to absolutely love this. Also, want to mention you brought these awesome little. Yes. Uh, uh, what, are th- what is this particular um, sifters? Design co- yeah. You know, the kind of sifters. Yeah, yeah, are, yeah, um, and so really wonderful. I, I guess I'm I'm quite the beer nerd, and, and I'm very particular about things. And one of them is the serving temperature. And you'll you will notice that this is served a little bit warmer, and that yes. is, that's intentional. That's beautiful. um, and that's so. Uh, we can kind of let the beer open up a little bit, and then we're serving it in these goblets, uh, snifters, if yeah, you will, snifters and that gives uh, us a chance to swirl like you would a fine wine, mm-hmm. um, open up and give it a little bit more head, get a little more of that foam in there, and then you can really, really shove your nose into the glass. Yes. So the shape of the glass kind of Whoa. holds its fragrance much better. Um, and because it's stemware, you could also, should the beer have, you know, maybe it, if it was served a little bit 
colder. You could put your hands around the, the you can palm the glass, the palm right. the glass, warm it up with your hands, and or then, you can hold the stem if it's if, it gets too, yeah, if you don't yeah. want to warm it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. The these glasses and those of you who are watching the video can see this, but they're fatter towards the bottom than tapered towards the top, and that's what you that's what you're talking about when you say it sort of holds the aroma yes. in, right? Yes, captures that, that the fragrance of it. Yeah, this is uh, this has got a w wonderful nose to it. It's just it's uh, a lot of malt on the nose. Yeah, and a which little is, bit of bitter too mm -hmm. on it. And this is, what did you say, 7.7? 7. 7.7. You know, when well, they hide the go. alcohol really well in it, it doesn't have a, a lot of heat to it. Mm -hmm. um, but some of the sweetness of the honey is what kind of come forwards for, comes forward for me. Um, so a very caramelized kind of honey flavor, too. Yes. I, yeah. I was going to say, this is much more complex. I, it's, and that I, smoke I just, comes up on the end? Yeah, yeah, I just had another porter, which is actually a really good one, uh, the other day. So I'm kind of comparing this to it in my brain and it was much more straightforward there's a lot more going on here yeah and, and uh, you know the theme of the show is creativity and i think the garage project who was uh, our collaborator from new zealand they really hit it out of the park on this um they made it their own and that's kind of what's fun about this collection of beers uh, the beer camp across the world it was 12 different beers 12 different collaborators and each brewery um made a beer that was their identity and and using the local honey smoked over local wood really gives it their that you definitely essence. get that woody kind of flavor and it's very bold with the uh with the um the, the burnt honey kind of flavor too on the end it's quite it's quite nice so yeah. in these Big. in these in these beer camp beers yes when you go and so you uh, t uh team up with these guys in new zealand for example um do they brew the beer and then sierra nevada uses your bigger name to distribute it and get it in the hands of people like us that would want to try it or do you collaborate on the actual recipe and brewing process yeah that's actually that's a great question you know and, and so this is the third year um that we've done this exercise mm -hmm. it changes a little bit every year but the the goal here is we pick a partner and we work on a recipe together and then the brewer's from Garage Project came to, I believe they brewed their beer at Mills River. Um, so Sierra Nevada actually has two breweries. The original is in Chico, California. Mm -hmm. And then the new brewery built in 2014 is in Mills River, North Carolina. So we invite our collaborators to come to our brewery and brew on our system. Wow. That's that's a cool idea, yep. especially for guys that are probably from much smaller breweries. Maybe right. don't have as access to quite as sophisticated equipment as as you might have. Because yeah. Sierra Nevada, you're one of the larger actual craft brewers, right? Yes, thank you. That's right. We are the third largest uh, independently owned craft brewery in America, and uh, we take great pride in saying that the brewery was founded in 1980 by Ken Grossman. And the brewery now is family-owned, operated, and argued over. So uh, his his daughter, Sierra, is heavily involved. And then his son uh, takes care of the North Carolina uh, brewery. So Brian is very invested. And that's what's kind of great. The The family is so involved in this. And still involved still after, involved. after this right. much time. Because yep. that was, what did you say, 1980. 1980. So this brewery's been around for a while. 37 years. Going I, on 38. I think of Sierra Nevada, despite the fact that it has Nevada in the name, I think of it as the sort of quintessential California beer. Thank like you. when I think West Coast beers, this is like uh, the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. is one of the first ones yeah. that, that comes to mind. And you guys have been at this longer than just about anybody out there, except for Anchor Steam. Did you have a, or, or, I, I call right. them Anchor Steam, except for Anchor Brewing. Anchor, yeah. um, did you have any reaction to those guys getting. Uh, uh, getting bought. It, it, what is it? I mean, you guys are independent and yes. and you're pretty big. Yes. yes. Uh, how does that? 
what does it make you think when you see something like that? Are you happy for them? Are you... Um, you know, and it's actually the second time they've been sold. The first was they were sold to Sapporo, and then just recently they were, they were sold again. And um, it you just want the legacy to live on. So uh, you, you hope that the new investors will do their best to keep making the quality beer that, that Anchor provided before. Now, you guys obviously have... I'm going to guess you've resisted uh, attempts to buy in because as oh, successful yeah. as Sierra Nevada has yes. been, you would you would expect that at some mm-hmm. point people would come knocking. Oh, yeah. um, it's happened. But doesn't that create um, other challenges for you? I mean, aren't there – to grow as large as you are, because you can get a Sierra Nevada in All almost, states, yeah, almost any place in the states. country, right? Yeah. So that requires – man, that requires amping up production. Oh, yeah. And I know we've talked a lot about in this past year how that's – become a problem for breweries like uh, Boston Brewing, the Sam Adams guys, for example, that have struggled mm-hmm. and have seen, you know, their sales, um, you know, not keep up, even though they make, I think, a fantastic product. Right. Uh, I, in fact, I almost think of those guys as the East Coast guys and you guys as yeah. the West Coast guys mm-hmm. when it comes to the big um, independent uh, independent craft brewers. But, but how do you get over that hump? I, I think I was reading that it, it's something like when you get to like a hundred thousand barrels. Is that is that where the the sort of tipping point is? Where it's that's the that can be the tough part to get past. Uh, well, there are a lot of hurdles in, in growing, but Sierra Nevada has been really fortunate that uh, the growth has been very organic, and for decades actually, Ken Grossman was just chasing making enough beer, and also they were very <laughs> careful of of reaching new markets too quickly. So. Uh, the grow the growth was uh, steady, uh, and back in about 20, 2012, they made the decision that Chico couldn't produce enough. They needed that East Coast brewery. Mm-hmm. They needed uh, another method to getting beer fresh to the East Coast. To the East Coast, and right. that's that's why the decision was made to to kind of create and br- build this new brewery from from the ground up. And when did that uh, when did that complete? 2014. Okay. Yeah, 2014. So it's just been open really for yes. a couple of years and it's it's kind of how, how do you get over uh, uh, challenges like the difference in water and things like that from east coast to west coast to well, cre- keep your product so That's true. Yeah, yeah, consistent. So uh, in in Chico uh, every week uh, uh, they ship beer back and forth to one another. So they do a triangle test, a blind taste test of each brewery's beers. And so quality is is just like so paramount to, to Sierra Nevada. The the easiest way is to strip your water down and then build it back up. Ah. you know, and and that's so honestly sort of that's what a lot of brewers out do. of it and then add, and then add back minerals. In. Yeah. And yeah, and you 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 go neutral and then you build it back up. And um, so they, but they were very careful too when they chose the East Coast brewery that it would have similar qualities and they wouldn't have to do too much to the water. Um, and Ken. Uh, and the family has invested so much into quality. Uh, we've got state-of-the-art labs, and I mean, it, it's pretty ridiculous. All the all the gadgets that we have, all the tools. I just think another thing, and of course, you're expanding your um, your list of different beers yeah. pretty rapidly <clears throat> at this point. But I think one of the things that may have worked well for you guys is that because you were founded back in 1980, you had a long time to just let those one or two sort of 
anchor style. Sorry to invoke the anchor word, but mm -hmm. uh, there's one or two or two like primary parts of your right. brand kind of take hold everywhere mm -hmm. for people to recognize it, try it, understand that it's quality, and then learn. Oh, here's something new. There's so many of the of the young breweries that we see today, and I'm not being critical, but they'll come out and they've already got five, six different iterations. Right. Like you can't try them all at the bar on a Friday night. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or you could, I suppose, but it's. Uh, <laughs> it could be a long Friday night. <laughs> it could be a long yeah. Friday night. Uh, but but I think you guys have had time to maybe uh, be more pure as a yes. brand before you sort of began to extend. No, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I really believe that uh, I've, a lot of the breweries that are coming out now, they have a lot of bells and whistles, um, but they just need to get the basics right. And they, Sierra Nevada yeah. did that. It was you had pale your, ale, you stout, had your one porter. basic thing, and then you right. went to the scout from there. Right. And yeah, yeah. And, and you guys were doing the heavily hopped right. uh, uh, pale ales and IPAs yeah. kind of before that became a trend. Yes, yeah. Ken was, I guess, an original hophead in a yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, I go with that. Hippie, hophead, whatever you want to yeah. call it. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a fun fact, though, because, you know, very early on, just before everybody started doing doubles and, mm -hmm. and uh, triples and these, you know, extreme imperial uh, IPAs, you could always get all the hops you need uh, with a little Sierra Nevada. <laughs> all right. That's true. So, That's so true. All right. We will talk more Sierra Nevada. I want to find out more about Beer Camp, too. Plus, we will share the survey with you. Drinking alcohol makes you more creative. We'll tell you why, according to a survey that is more awesomer than anyone we've had before. Welcome back, my friends. It's smoking and toasting show number fifty-four, uh, creative drinking with Sierra Nevada, and uh, I just before we get to the article, I just wanted to say that porter was absolutely delicious. I'm not sure if we really talked about it enough because it's it's very complex, one of the more complex porters I've had in a very very long time. As Ian was saying, it starts with the malt, yeah, but there's so good. much there. It finishes with that with that smoky. Mm -hmm. Burnt caramel kind of caramel deliciousness flavor, yes. that lingers a little bit in such a pleasant mm. way, and it's such and a, a little wood. Like yeah. you definitely get mm -hmm. that wood in there. It, it's not very straightforward. It's much more complex, and that's you know in cigars and beers, complex is always good. Well, it smells almost, amazing too. Like I want to wear good. this like cologne. <laughs> yeah, wait till we try the next one. You're in for a treat. You're really, you're <laughs> if we try enough, I will be wearing this by <laughs> like cologne. So that'll be uh, that'll be another plus. So uh, Gustavo from uh, Sierra Nevada is uh, here with us, and Gustavo. You hit us on a week when we have a very important study to reveal to people. And I thought, since we just started with the beers, I'd better read this now because there is, I'll give you an advance warning, there is some scientific jargon in this. Oh boy. So I better try it before I have much more uh, to drink. So here we go. A new study, and this came out of Maxim Magazine, which, by the way, I have to say I'm totally disappointed. It has, it has none of those, like, pictures of hot girls in it like it oh, used to. That's weird. It thinks it's GQ or something now, or Esquire. Weird. Uh, I don't womp, know if you bought womp. a Maxim in the last couple of years, but it is definitely, well, the writing's good, but, you know, if you're buying it for the articles, it's your kind of, it's your kind <laughs> of magazine. Um, anyway, this, this article came from Maxim, and it talks about a new study that's uh, published by Science Direct, and it proves uh, that, you know, one of the aspects of life that's been lost in our current wellness-crazed culture is that alcohol fuels creativity. Uh, 
Uh, it does. Yes. No, I'm serious. Uh, it does prove it with some stipulation, they say. Researchers at the Univers University of Graz in Austria, in a study of 70 young adults between the ages of 19 and 32, uh, found, because you can drink before you're 21 there, I suppose, is why they did that. Uh, they found that mild intoxication does not so much as boost creative abilities, <laughs> but it thwarts mild getting stuck in a mental <laughs> rut. Ah. So there you go. And that t makes total sense to me. Like, yeah, sure, if you're just absolutely hammered, you may be creative in a way that's not ever going to have any real. <laughs> you may not remember your own yeah, creativity. Exactly. Uh, but if you, you know, if you're just mildly intoxicated, I can see that from getting you stuck in a mental run. That 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 makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, in other words, uh, some uh, it says here, some hooch diminishes fixed thinking patterns, making drinkers less focused and rational, but also more freewheeling and creative. Oh, rational, you say. Now, let me, yeah, yeah, that's the ticket. Let What's me see I if do? I can. More rational. Let me see if I can make it through this this quote. And if I don't, we'll just drink the next beer and move on. Uh, reduced. This is from the study itself. Reduced cognitive control via mild alcohol intoxication could be expected to attenuate fixation effects and thus support cognitive flexibility in the remote associates test. The available research allows no clear prediction regarding the effect of alcohol on divergent thinking ability. On the one hand, divergent thinking is known to involve executive process similar to intelligence tasks. On the other hand, lower cognitive control might increase disinhibition and unusualness of thought. Should I go on? This is beautiful. I need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> and it might thereby support the exploration of new and unusual parts of the idea space in the given problem as measured by fluency, <laughs> flexibility, and novelty. Together, these mechanisms might facilitate the generation of unusual and potentially even creative ideas. Which just goes to show you, even beer people can spout a whole bunch of bureaucratic nonsense when they want to. Do you remember uh, uh, Cliff Clavin? Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. And I quote, a herd of buffalo can only move as fast as the slowest buffalo. <laughs> and when the herd is hunted, the slowest and weakest ones at the back are killed first. This natural selection is good for the herd as a whole because the general speed and health of the whole group keeps improving by regular killing of the weakest members. In much the same way, the, hum the human brain can only operate as fast as the slowest brain cells. Excessive intake of alcohol, as we know, kills brain cells, but naturally it attacks the slowest and weakest brain cells huh. first in this way. Yes. Regular consumption of beer eliminates the weaker brain cells, making the brain a faster, more efficient machine. That's why you always feel smarter after a few beers. You know, once again, Ian. Sounds like I science. Have, I have, <laughs> once again, I have brought us something. And you have clarified it in a way that I never could. And I just appreciate and love that about you, my friend. Uh, it's also time for a drink. Uh, I, th I think this is right, by the way, this, this study. I really do. Like, I think that there's a certain amount of, uh, you could say this about a lot of different things, there's a certain amount of loosening of the inhibitions mm -hmm. that, as long as you don't take it too far, does take you in a more creative uh, element. That's why, you know, that's why rappers smoke pot. That's why... Um, other musicians smoke pot. That's why, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's a uh, it's look at look at the great writers. You know Hemingway, that other guy, uh, <laughs> they, <laughs> that other guy. They, they all had you know their their own vices, if you will. Uh, but you gotta figure that's maybe where a little bit of the creativity came from. 
So, all right. Speaking of creativity, you got to be a pretty creative brewery to come up with, even if you're collaborating with somebody. Yes. A yeah. raspberry Sunday yes. beer. So, yeah. Gustavo, tell us about this. It's this another really, beer camp. I love talking about this beer because it is super creative, and uh, the brewery is. It's pretty too. Yeah, you know, and this one is in. So it's very clear what they're trying to do here. They're trying to create a uh, raspberry sundae it's in the name of mm -hmm. course and the brewery from california the brewery is the name of the brewery they make mm -hmm. great that's not beer. very creative at all but so um, the brewery is called the, the brewery. brewery yes okay. yes gotcha. it's kind of like the band Patrick is Rue. called the band yeah yeah and so this one was unique because it's a lot of small elements coming together to create this raspberry sundae it's actually a blonde ale um, it comes in at 8% alcohol, and then they use uh, lactose 8%? sugars. 8% and a blonde? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah, they use uh, lactose sugars, cacao, wow. uh, vanilla, and then raspberry puree. So it's, all of those elements come together. It's not blonde anymore, though, if you look at no. it. Yeah, no. And, it, and so, you know, the first time I tried this beer. It's a dirty blonde. <laughs> I thought all along it was going to be a milk stout, you know, because you can use chocolate malt and you can right. use lactose sugars. Uh, and you can take it into that creamy texture, and it would be, well, a milk stout. And I poured it, and it wasn't that at all. Um, and that's, I think the brewery is so creative with the beers that they make, and they took a really wild shot, and I think they hit the mark. Wow. They did really, really well with this one. So, and, and this brewery, you said it's in California? Yes, yes. So these guys are maybe just uh, up down Highway 1 from you or something, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, goodness. I, I don't recall where they're, what part of California. Okay. Um, well, uh, Placentia, California. Placentia, yeah. Uh, I think that's further south, yeah. Yes. Uh, well, in any case, it's interesting to feel, you know, your first beer that we're talking about was you collaborated with guys in New Zealand, mm -hmm. and then these guys very close to home. So I would um, I would guess that it's that probably your collaborations take you really all over the world, don't they? Well, this group did the Beer Camp Across the World uh, it was unique this year because it was six uh, domestic breweries and then six that were international. And what was really exciting for Houston was um, uh, the godfather of Houston Brewery, of Texas Brewing, was our collaborator. St. Arnold's helped uh, brew a dry hop Berliner Weiss, and uh, we pitched it with our Keller Weiss yeast. So it was kind of these three elements, and a brewer from St. Arnold's came to, uh, I believe he brewed his in Chico. And uh, created, uh, and it was kind of their first major collaboration. I, I was going to say, I don't think I've heard of them doing a collaboration. I will say this, though. They know their Berliner Weiss. Yes. They really are good with that. Yeah. And and they're, uh, they were doing some of that stuff before yeah. that became the big current trend that it is right yeah. now. So... Uh, so that well, that's fascinating. And then this, uh, they also have a, a raspberry um, that is quite good as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But but this is a very different raspberry from that, wouldn't you say? Ian? No, this is really nice. This has a little more of the bitter side of the raspberry. Mm -hmm. uh, really nice, uh, really nice overall flavor. I think the the sweetness that you get from here is the malty profile that happens in the and the um, cocoa. It's got a certain amount of like you know if you have a berry pie. And it has that wonderful tartness that makes you want just like yeah. a scoop of ice cream on top to balance it out. That's that's kind of the vibe that this I get has from a creaminess this. to the uh, yes. mouthfeel too that mm -hmm. that uh, lacto I wasn't yeah. suspecting. Yeah, uh, I think the the lacto sugar is probably you know that's kind of what contributes to it. Also, I think vanilla does that as well. It changes mm -hmm. uh, the texture a little bit, makes it kind of silky. And uh, this is again such a wild, wild shot, and I think they hit the mark. This with has it. such a fun finish on it. Like, yes, like the raspberry hits you right before the finish, 
and then the finish kind of like glides over the top of that raspberry. For, for me, though, the raspberry also draws you in on the fragrance of the beer. Right. It's, it's got a great, great, great bouquet. Um, this one's really is one that I could easily put on my wrist and behind my ears, and, <laughs> and it smells so good. Um, I, I think I could wear it as cologne for sure. It's, it's funny you mentioned that tart because on the finish on this beer, it's almost like that little bit of the crust. Yes. That kind of like yes. leftover, the little sugar. It's got that little sugariness of, to it. Yes. Graham crackery mm-hmm. kind of like breadiness it's, to it or something. It's, maybe that's the influence from the blonde ale. This is uh, such a beginning. creative, creative beer. And I, I'm. I think we were all really excited to get to work with the brewery. They're mm-hmm. known for their creative ales. Um, and this project, the Beer Camp Across the World, is neat because it pushes our brewers, and we, we're certainly learning a lot as well. Is it easy enough for us uh, in you know uh, Texas? We're based out of Houston. Mm-hmm. Is it easy enough for us to find these? What does it come in a 12-pack? In a 12-pack, 12 12 yeah. right, right. Is- and uh, I apologize. I brought beers that you probably can't get anymore. You know, the yeah. beer camp was You've been released. holding on to these because they were I, awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and actually, I know that they'll they'll age pretty well. And I was in my head too. I thought each of these would pair so well with a cigar. I bet. Right. Um, especially the the last one that we're going to have, um, and they would complement smokes. Well, we uh, we love doing that, and and I think you're right. Both the porter and this one so far. Both have the characteristic that uh, I think would pair well. I talk about this on the show from time to time. I love IPAs and hoppier mm-hmm. beers. I love beers and cigars, but I don't often pair them with IPAs because the yeah. bitterness of the IPA or like an ESB often messes with the cigar mm-hmm. for me, and mm-hmm. I can't quite. I think you're right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I can't quite get it out of there. So these, though, both the way they finish. Mm-hmm. Would both pair very, very nicely. So, I uh, want to give a huge heads up, by the way, to uh, Keegan, who is uh, subbing today on the board for us. Keegan, uh, are you telling me this is about into segment time? Is that right? I am. Uh, perfect. Bobby is out, Keegan is in, and we're going to take a break. We'll be back with some whiskey that was distilled in Fort Worth, Texas, coming up next. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. This is show number 54, Creative Drinking with Sierra Nevada. My name is Cruz. Ian Barry, my co-host, we are brought to you by our good friends at B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, soon to be open in Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, they're awesome. That means you can get the bacon in Fort Worth, too. Yes. Fort Worth, stand by for bacon. Have you tried the bacon, bacon there? No. Oh, no. Gustavo, my God. The bacon there is so good, it'll make it take back stuff you didn't even steal. Yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is like, it, it's it's a religious experience. It's, it's like, pretty amazing. You know. I was thinking, you know, I was reading this article the other day, actually, about how um, churches in America are facing declining um, uh, declining numbers and declining uh, membership mm-hmm. as uh, different, you know, age groups and stuff age in. And I thought, I think the church has made a, a really uh, simple mistake. If instead of the wine and crackers for communion, if they went with wine and this bacon from B&B, <laughs> there would be lines out the door. I'm just telling you. Of course, that may be a, a real religious problem for certain, you know, for certain <laughs> denominations and faiths. But hey, um, just saying. 
They're, you know, they're just now putting rock and roll in churches, so you got to give them a little bit of yeah. time. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Fair enough. By the way, uh, we're about to do a little whiskey tasting. Oh, nice. Thank you. Uh, and as Ian is pouring this whiskey, which I'll tell you about in just a second, I uh, came across, like, uh, well, you talk about good articles that I was able to find. First, we find Thank the you. drinking alcohol can make you creative. Now, from one of those financial websites, whiskey could be just as sound an investment opportunity as gold. Might not be the most, you know, conventional uh, investment opportunity, but according to uh, Rupert Patrick, CEO of a whiskey trading website called Whiskey Invest Direct, he says investing in Scotch whiskey is a long-term investment comparable to buying gold. His business is part of the Bullion Vault Group, which uh, enables web uh, investors to trade gold, platinum, silver, and whiskey. Online, If you think about a gold bar sitting in a vault, he says, and then you switch that image for piles and piles of scotch whiskey sitting in barrels for 10, 15 years sometimes, you've got an asset which is investable to retail investors through very clever technology. Rare sought-after whiskey brands have climbed 34.6% in the last 12 months in value. Gold hasn't climbed that much. That's a that's a pretty darn that's good. Uh, that's a pretty darn good uh, investment return. So, you heard it here on the show first. Invest in whiskey. I can imagine like enter, these, enter the rise of the whiskey baron. Can you can you imagine having all these like broke people going? <laughs> I took the advice of that cigar and whiskey show, and I'm now I'm broke. Um, Cigars, yeah. whiskey, and financial consultants. Yeah, just <laughs> say just invest at your own risk uh, uh, as as. Uh, as Susie Orman would say, none of these none of these techniques are guaranteed to work. Mm-hmm. But I yes. do love Blanton's. Yeah, <laughs> see, that's it. That's a slogan right there. That would be the slogan for our investment firm. Right. If you and I had one, it'd be like, none of these are guaranteed to work, but I do love Blanton's. So we're about to sample a Texas a TX blended whiskey from a distillery in Fort Worth. This was the winner of Best American Craft Whiskey and was the double gold winner at the 2013 San Francisco World Spirit. Competition. You got to understand how many spirits are competing at a World yeah, Spirits Competition. That's a big hundreds, one. hundreds. This won Best American Craft Whiskey and Double Gold. So it was crafted by a couple of Fort Worth guys who dropped out of their corporate world and uh, opened their own uh, distillery. So before uh, we go any further, I want you to just take your glass and smell yep, yep. the whiskey. Yes. Like wow. This. Wow, smells yes. amazing. You guys have glasses right there. So here's the thing. I was I was at uh, again at Specs. It wasn't the same trip that I met Gustavo, but then again, I go quite frequently. <laughs> so, uh, so you I'm, just go to hear your own voice on the radio spots. <laughs> Actually, I was standing in a Specs one day talking to one of the beer guys. This was at one of the little satellite Specs. And we got to chat and I said, you know, I mentioned that I had a blog and he's like, "Oh, cool." I was like, "Yeah, I have a, a partner on a on the blog and we you know or the blog uh, uh, a podcast, podcast yeah. and i was like i have a partner as a matter of fact and one of your radio spots came on i was Boom. like it's that guy and the guy just looked at me like okay whatever and yeah. walked <laughs> like who is this nutty guy well, going in here i i i go to specs frequently but most of the time it's just because i'm trying to catch joey uh, the beer guru at specs I'm trying to actually catch him down because he always gets a little nervous when he sees me like oh no he's gonna have to talk to me now you know what i mean <laughs> and i don't know why i have that effect on him but mm-hmm. uh, uh but then but then what he does and i think he does this on purpose he i'll be walking around and i may be just buying beer for home 
you know. Uh, uh, but he'll walk around. He'll come around and start put, putting things in my basket, like, going, "You guys need to taste this. You guys this. need to taste yeah. this. Get this." And what's interesting is that I will often then get to the register and discover that that bomber that he put in my basket is thirty-two dollars. <laughs> so uh, you know, he doesn't necessarily always go the uh, the budget He's route. Adding his stats, I think. That's, you know, yeah. number one store, right? <laughs> number one yeah, store for a reason. That's Joey what I'm thinking. So, people's so I was in Specs, and they were actually tasting this, mm-hmm. and I actually bought. This several months ago, and I've been waiting for the right opportunity to bring it on the show because I tasted it and said I will take. it I on. have actually I've drank an entire bottle of this, not oh. at once, but um, and it's fantastic. <laughs> well, yes. I um, love it on. The I nose. just want to say this is like the nose of this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, think uh, cinnamon and vanilla, and a little bit of like uh, almost um, shortbread. Mm-hmm. And yes, what's really strange about it too is. The mouthfeel on this is almost more like a cognac. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just a bigger mouthfeel than a lot of whiskeys. This is this is so much of what my favorite attributes of a whiskey, like any whiskey that has two or more of these attributes, I'm bound to like. And yeah. this has four or five of them. It has you know? more deliciouser. Yes, yeah. I think it's uh, also very true to its bouquet. So it yeah. smells. I mean, it really draws you in. Just uh, when you get your nose in there. Um, but all those things that you smell mm, the really come, is huge. comes through, comes the through words, on the first taste. Mm-hmm. In the words of the most underrated band ever to come out of Long Island, the Bogmen, it tastes just like it smells. <laughs> <laughs> and it really does, too. Were it they really talking does. about whiskey? I think we were, but this whiskey's so good, it, it takes me way this off This is of, such a uh, treat. Thank you very uh, much. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad that you like this. Uh, yes. I also wow. want to say, and I don't remember the exact number now, but this was not... A super expensive bottle of whiskey, either. No, I'm, I think this comes price. in at about the forty-five I think that's right. range, yes. Yes. Uh, somewhere in there. It's really, really pretty amazing. And it was so interesting, Ian, because when this happened, we just had several of the big um, whiskey guys on the show, and they, you know, we'd been able to take home some of the uh, unfinished bottles. So I suddenly had more whiskey in my bar at home <laughs> than I'd had in forever. <laughs> and I walk into Specs, and I'm buying a brand new uh, one another that I've whiskey. never tried. Another whiskey. So I, for a moment, I felt. A little bit of what it must be like to be you. Uh, <laughs> felt cool, didn't it? It, 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 it like felt pretty live. cool. Oh. felt pretty damn cool. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think these guys are really on to something. As I mentioned, they were both like corporate, uh, you know, corporate dudes who buy, uh, they actually met. I think their kids were at the same like, like play date type place or whatever. And then they both wound up unknown to each other taking a distillery tour of a distillery at the same time. So they walked in to this distillery tour and went, oh, hey, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. And then they started talking whiskey and pretty soon decided, this must have freaked their wives out. <laughs> We're quitting our jobs <laughs> and opening Making a distillery. Uh, but they're in Fort Worth and they're doing great. So, you know, this is actually also uh, at 41%, which is lower than a lot of the the modern trend is to, to go barrel-proof. And just higher uh, ABVs um, uh, overall, but this one's actually almost down to a straight forty percent too, mm-hmm. and it has all that. It's pretty pretty it, intense, it, actually. No, you're you're absolutely right, but I think it's so drinkable. Maybe because the alcohol content's slightly lower, but it's so drinkable. And we don't have. Uh, we should have brought a little water in here too, but I found like when you add a little water, you get some dark fruit flavors in the back, like mm. like uh, like the dark. Uh, 
dark cherry and almost like some banana nuances that go on. I'm going to ask uh, Adam if he'll run and get yeah, us just a little really, water in one of those It changes cups, the profile think, pretty substantially. Surprisingly, a, a bit of finesse to this as well. And I think that's kind of what, what has uh, surprised me is okay. I expected a punch in the face or, or something like that. Uh, okay. Not at all. Just really like, slip into a warm bath and, and this is <laughs> what I would want. This guy is a beard nerd, but he just like did the best like whiskey uh, line ever. I hope it's a bubble bath so I don't see everything. So I want to I want to <laughs> beer do, bath actually oh, beer, <laughs> bath. beer bath. <laughs> I want to do some props here because uh, Adam Andrus just joined the show this week as a special assistant, and you said the thing about water, and he goes under the counter. There it is, and produces that right there, a uh, bottle of the Ozark. So. Uh, so thanks, Adam. Welcome on board, and uh, it's nice to have you. And bravo for well, week one. Usually, when You're I'm welcome. at my house, I um, I'll pour my whiskey and I'll take a, a very first sip, just completely neat. right. Uh, you know, room temperature mm-hmm. and neat, and just kind of experience a couple small sips that way. But I'll almost always add a cube or two, depending on the volume of uh, alcohol that I poured, of ice. And what I like to do is. Uh, is let it get nice and chill and taste the flavors that happen when it's cold. When it's because cooler, you get yeah. the brighter flavors. You get more of the cinnamon. You get more of uh, like honey flavors and things like that when it's cold. But as it warms up in your hand, and this takes a while. This is not you're not doing shots, you know. Mm-hmm. But as it warms up in your hand and that water uh, diffuses from the ice throughout the uh, throughout the whiskey, you get a ton more flavor profile, and you, so you get to taste this evolving whiskey at that point in time. So here's this is interesting because with a little splash of water in. I'm now getting some peatiness that I was not getting at first. Are you, are you pulling any of that out of maybe there? Maybe a little smokiness in, mm-hmm. the, in Yeah, the maybe that's what yeah. I'm getting, yeah. But, you know, I get, like, when as soon as I do that, I get a little bit of banana and a little, like, like that dark fruit kind of mm-hmm. snap to the back mm-hmm. end of it. Um, this is... Uh, this is one where once I finish that bottle, I was like, I've got to have more of that. Well, this is, yeah, this is really, really outstanding. And again, at that price point, too. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about how good that is. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's funny because I had not opened this bottle, so the only time that I'd had it was just sampling it just the sample. in the store. And I've looked at this bottle in my bar a couple of times going, oh, why did I buy that again? Oh, yeah, I was going to take it on the show. No, no I bought it because it was good. Yeah. Like, it was, it was that. It was like, oh, <laughs> I'm, and I'm taking this on the show, so... Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, it's it's highly recommended. We're going to try one of the things I mentioned. Adam is joining the show. We're going to be working with him to post more detailed show notes, so we'll be able to send you to the websites of uh, some of the companies and the different places that we are are talking about on the um, on the show. And uh, these guys you can find at frdistilling.com, which is one of the easier ones to uh, uh, to remember. What is the Sierra Fire Nevada? Uh, what is the Sierra Nevada website? Is it more involved? It's a Sierra Nevada. Nevada.com. And what have you brought us for the final segment today? We're going to finish with Bigfoot, but um, Bigfoot. Bigfoot barley wine. But this isn't the. This has been aged for a year. Ian, so. I'm just looking at you I going. This. this is going to be your moment. I love this. It's your moment. All right, so we'll be back with that. Plus, um, well, a few exciting things to tell you, and including the top ten best-selling cigar brands uh, uh, that were just released. We'll tell you about that coming up. Welcome back to Smokin' and Toastin'. This is show number 54, Creative Drinking with Sierra Nevada. And we'll get to another uh, Sierra Nevada brew here in just a moment. But we do want to uh, remind you that we are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. And uh, soon to be open in Fort Worth where the bacon will be a-flowin'. 
I don't know if bacon flows, but there's if listen, their bacon can do anything. It, it wants is a strange to. visual, but yeah. I'm okay with it. It'll, it can do anything. I can it suspend wants to. belief for that one. You know, um, <laughs> we do the show for those of you who are listening uh, around the country and around the world. We do the show in Houston, where Ian and I both live, and uh, we are currently here in Houston as we do the show today, uh, being assaulted by the news and weather media because there is a tropical storm. I think it is at this moment, but there's. They're saying it's going to come in and it's going to be a, a hurricane and it's going to be the end of life as we know it. And so chances are this will be the last time you'll ever hear us do this show because here's, we'll all, here's a crazy all news be wiped flash. from the face of the earth. It's, it's going to flood a little bit in Houston. Yeah. Maybe yeah, even a lot. Crazy. So we've, we've never seen that before. So here's what I'm thinking. I want to fly in the face of all that gloom and doom that we're getting from the local news media here about how this storm is going to wash the earth clean in a way that hasn't been seen <laughs> since the time of Noah. And uh, instead... We'll see if I can pull this off. I don't know if I can. I'm going to attempt to smoke a cigar during a hurricane. I think it's brilliant. Oh, all right. I, yeah, never, you can I've do that. Certainly never done that before. In, in my mind, you know, so you have to understand he he lives 32 stories up. Right. Right. So and has a balcony that that just faces you know the other side of Houston. So I'm either going to go out in, towards Galveston, like a, actually. Yes. I'm either going to go out on the balcony in a raincoat, or maybe just like a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. You know, because why why worry? And see if I can manage to keep a cigar lit long enough to smoke it. Now, for those of you, you it. Who, for yes. those of you who aren't in the Houston area, sometimes when it rains hard in Houston, and you have no idea what raining hard is unless you've been, <laughs> yeah. here, the rain actually doesn't go uh, straight down anymore. It goes, it goes sideways. sideways. Yes, yes, it's, it's actually pretty crazy. So my thought is, you're hanging onto the rail mm-hmm. in this sideways rain <laughs> with your cigar. Yeah. Well, I, I really want to do that thing like where they uh, on the live weather coverage during a hurricane where they go to Fred, who's down in Panama City, Florida, where the hurricane is coming in, you know, and he's just like blowing his clothes off of him. And he's holding that uh, umbrella that's gone inside out. Yeah. Yeah. Inverted and, and he's like, well, it's really rainy down here. I want to do that, but I want to be smoking a cigar. Right. So that's the plan. That's the plan. Uh, recent, uh, recent survey just released a survey of cigar retailers across the United States, and it has told us what the 10 best-selling brands, and again, this is not based on actual sales, but this is based on cigar retailers saying these are our best sellers, mm-hmm. is how this was compiled. Uh, at number 10, La Flor Dominicana. Uh, at number 9, Monte Cristo. Uh, at number 8, Perdomo. 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 That surprises me. I like Perdomo. That surprises me a little bit that they are in the, They've the top 10. They've got so many great blends. They though. really do. I, I, like, I like Perdomo cigars a lot. I love their lot. 23 or whatever mm-hmm. it is. That's such a such great tobacco. Uh, at number uh, seven, tied for number seven, my father. Uh, at number six, Ashton. Number five, Rocky Patel. Uh, number three, Romeo e Giulietta. At number three, also a tie at three uh, with Romeo and Giulietta, is uh, Davidoff. At number two is Padron. Mm-hmm. And at number one, and by a fairly large margin, Arturo Fuente, mm-hmm. uh, which, of course, no is both the Opus X line and the uh, regular Arturo Fuente and line. Hemingway. And and so on. Yes. So uh, a couple interesting things I saw in there. My father coming in at seven. That's the sort of newest brand mm-hmm. in this batch. And Rocky Patel was off a little bit. I think he was number three last year. Dropped. Well, there's a tie for third, so he drops into uh, – Fifth place because of that uh, this this year, but um, I, I will again say Rocky is producing some of the best cigars mm-hmm. he's ever made right now. The last couple of years have seen some really amazing additions to uh, to that. Now the hottest brands list, part of the same survey, but they base it less on 
what the retailers say their sales are, and more on what they're getting asked about the most, what people are buzzing about uh, the most, I guess. Arturo Fuente still tops that, as does Padron at number two. Uh, but at number three is Opus X, because in this mm-hmm. one they're allowed to delineate from just a manufacturer, but right. to just a line. Uh, and at number four, I loved this, Liga Privada. Uh, which is from Drew Estate and is great. one of the uh, o- most awesome uh, cigars. The Padron Anniversary, uh, anniversary Series, uh, mm-hmm. 1964 at 5. The My Father Line at 6. La Flor at 7. Rocky Patel at 8. Romeo and Julieta at 8. A tie for 8. And number 10 is Monte Cristo. What I noticed on this is none of this has Macanudo. And, of course, Macanudo is obviously the line is much milder, but they're, I thought they were one of the best-selling cigars in the world. Well, I think, I think Macanudo is one of those brands that kind of slips between the cracks because we all know it's there. Mm-hmm. So, like, I go in and I don't generally buy a Macanudo because usually I want to try something, you know, new, interesting, or right, yeah. something a little bigger overall. But I think Macanudo's a fine cigar. I'll buy a Macanudo. I like to buy Macanudos to have in my humidor so that if somebody comes over and they say, I like a lighter cigar, yeah. but you want to make sure you're giving them something mm-hmm. that's actually really good, has quality, uh, the Macanudo's a great yeah. a great one for that. Uh, the best-selling sizes, by the way, at number five, Corona. At number four, Miscellaneous slash Odd. Uh, at number three, uh, the Corona Gorda or Toro uh, size. Uh, at number two, the Grande. And at number one, best-selling size at 36% of the whole survey, the Robusto. So the Robusto is the best-selling size of cigar uh, in the entire. So I guess in the miscellaneous odd would be things like the nub and uh, some of the uh, more interesting shapes. I really thought a pyramid or a torpedo like would Like short that Solomons, things mm-hmm. like that. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. So we are uh, really thrilled to have Gustavo from Sierra Nevada uh, joining us. Gustavo has brought some really interesting and creative Sierra Nevada beers. We're all familiar with Sierra Nevada's Pale Ale, which I will just say is a go-to beer for me. If, if I had to pick like three to five like go-to beers, like I never want to... Mm-hmm be without being able to get these, it's definitely one of those uh, beers for me. That pale ale is just, it's so consistent and so good. Oh, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, and that was um, really very important to Ken when, when back in the 19, 1980 when he started the brewery. Uh, so pale ale wasn't the first beer that was introduced from Sierra Nevada, uh, the, the, the stout was, but he was constantly brewing uh, pale ale, and he dumped 11 batches of it before... He felt confident with something that was consistent and of of the highest quality. So he wanted it to be the lead, but um, didn't didn't feel comfortable releasing it to the public. So mm. he he shared that with us recently in a, a national sales meeting, and they dumped a lot of beer when they first started, which was really hard for a young brewery uh, strapped for cash. It gets and expensive, yeah. yeah. And no they're kidding. dumping beer eleven batches in a row. Wow. But that's back to quality control too. Yes. Like, you know, if it's not the standard that you want, what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Well, and you don't you don't want to start your reputation that way. Right. Another thing that I really appreciate about that pale ale is it's something I can often find in places where I can't find a lot of other maybe great mm-hmm. choices outside of the macro brews. Sometimes it'll be one it or Samuel Adams will mm-hmm. sometimes be the first yeah. you know crafts that you will see. Yeah, you know? it's a it's a lighthouse beer. You know, yeah. it's a beacon at the back bar. If you see that tap <laughs> handle, you know that you're you going to be you're served okay. quality. There's at least no, you're okay. Yes. Yeah. 
Uh, so um, we're trying the Bigfoot Ale, which is a barley wine style ale, and th- this is a year round for you guys, isn't it? It's no, this is no? A, a seasonal. It's part of a oh, collection okay. we call the High Altitude Series. So um, there are a few beers that are higher in ABV, and this one comes in at nine point six percent. Holy um, moly! It's also <laughs> surprisingly, uh, it's this American style barley wine, so it's heavily hopped. And the star of the show, of course, is Cascade, which is the same for mm-hmm. um, for pale ale. But um, this was first brewed in 1983, so Ken has been doing this for quite a while, and and it's a monster. I mean, it's it's a heavily hopped, and also, and I didn't mention this before, but the previous two beers they came in at uh, 32 IBUs, 10 IBUs, and now we've jumped to 90 IBUs. International pick this beer because uh, again, I I think it'll stand up to a cigar. It's got mm-hmm. um, a lot of bold character to it, and it will will certainly stand up to a cigar with equal. Uh, amount of flavor. When I think of um, Cascade hops, though, I think of the more uh, citrusy sort of a, a vibe. At least on the nose, I'm not getting any citrus here. Does it? it no, does it, on the nose, it's it's like fig and yes. date and, and barley. This is, this is a year old already, so some of the oxidation starts to set in. But the higher ABV and what makes this unique and creative is I want folks to realize. Um, Buy, buy a four-pack. Buy Well, this was a four-pack. Now Bigfoot is a six-pack. But don't drink all your beers. You know, Don't drink the whole six-pack. Actually let it age. Mm. And this beer develops flavor with time. I will say that on the, uh, on the first real sip of this, I have found the citrus. It's in there. There's, mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. some grapefruit in there in the middle somewhere that I detected. But first you get that barley wine fig flavor that's so prevalent among really good barley wines. There's so much of that on the nose, too, that it's hard to even separate what you're mm-hmm. actually tasting versus what you're smelling. Mm-hmm. So I mentioned, you know, 90 IBU, so it's a big, heavily hopped uh, barley wine, but uh, it's balanced with a lot of malt, and um, so some sweetness will kind of come through, um, and it's surprisingly balanced. And we're, we're really proud of this beer. It's been around for a long time, um, but I, I really encourage folks to, to, to just age the beer i've had quite a few of the uh, american style barley wines and some of them are uh, some of them are really good some mm-hmm. of them though they don't seem to get the balance of how the hops interact with mm-hmm. the with the uh maltiness and the sweetness and this one does and, and you end up with you end up with some beers that are just like big like this but so hoppy bitter that you you know you just feel like you just crunched up a pine cone in your teeth at yeah. the end of it mm-hmm. uh, but with time the hops will kind of fade away the sweetness comes forward more of the dark ripe red fruit comes uh, to the front and uh, I'll admit I I, um, I lived in Chicago for many years and uh, one of my favorite bars a great whiskey bar called Delilah's he used to do I've a totally vintage in there <laughs> yeah and he did a collection of craft beer and punk rock and uh, and whiskeys just a and great he place. does a vintage fest in December and so twenty dollars gets you 20 tickets and every ticket gets you a one ounce pour and uh, the idea is he'll have multiple vintages of various beers and uh, the year that I went he had a 10 year vertical of Bigfoot wow from 2000 all the way through 2010 so did you use all of your tickets I, on Bigfoot <laughs> I, I didn't and I, I wanted to you know but I, I wanted to start at 2000 go to 2005 and then finish off at uh, 2010 and some magic well I absolutely love the way this one combines its flavors I think that's the secret actually 
to this particular barley wine is the way it balances everything. It's just, uh, I mean, Ian, you're more the barley wine guy than I am. Your take as we approach this is, the end it's of a the very show. hoppy barley wine, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's hoppy in a way that blends with the uh, mm-hmm. with the maltiness mm-hmm. and doesn't stand out. It does finish very hoppy. You know, it finishes yeah. almost like a big uh, a double IPA. It's almost like IPA meets barley wine, right? In my in my brain, yeah, uh, so, I'm digging but, it. Well, yeah, it's good beer, Gustavo. Thank you so much for bringing these great brews. Uh, real quick about the uh, Bigfoot. What's the time frame each year that it's available? Uh, it's a seasonal from January to about April. All right. Very good. Nice. Thank you so much for being on the show. We want to invite you to come back again Thank when you. we'll be yes. on location and we can smoke. And uh, we'll look forward to that very much. We did run out of time for sampling the Mumford & Sons IPA this uh, this week, but we'll try to get to that, we'll get to that uh, uh, whenever we can. Have a, a wonderful week, my friends. Thanks to uh, Keegan for doing a great job subbing. And thank you uh, to uh, Adam for being new on the show. Ian, my friend, let's uh, let's go out. Cheers. 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 Cheers.